Samson, Greg. Not Samson. Not what? Not Okay, we're back. I know that's an odd way to start a podcast, but we're here. The Pull Up Trey podcast, as it were. We're in my dear friend Trey pulls up. I'm Samson Folk. That's Trevon Heath. By the time you're listening to this, we're going to be in Vegas covering the Raptors at Summer League. We got Chapo in the background doing his thing. We got Trey. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. Other than 401 traffic, I'm, I'm doing great. The 401 is a crazy place. That's Everybody a, knows it. Can't avoid it. Demon right there. <laughs> okay. We're going to cut right to the chase. You guys want to talk basketball. We want to talk basketball. A bunch of stuff happened. If you want the immediate reactions to the Dennis Schroeder signing to Fred Van Vliet leaving the Raptors, we did a podcast. Some people didn't like our reactions. Some people did. We've had a couple days to think about it. We're going to grade the Raptors free agency thus far, how it's gone. Now I'm going to pitch something to you, Trey. Yes, sir. I'm going to suggest that we do judging on it from like June 30th onwards. So the fact that the Raptors didn't trade Fred does not matter. You and I both suggested back in January that they trade him instead of going for, I I guess, like what ended up being the Jakob Pertle trade. That was our idea of how they should go forward. Now we're starting from June 30th. That's, That's how it shakes out. Okay, so on the docket... We have Fred Van Vliet walking out the door. Delano Banton walking out the door. Okay? Two big things. Uh, the the Fred thing is both like performance-wise, team culture. Delano Banton was supposed to be like the avatar for kind of like, you know, young kids in Toronto trying to make it with the Raptors, hometown kid. You're losing a lot of, you know, equity within the, the culture yeah. of the team, et cetera. Nick Nurse is gone, all that kind of stuff. Changes are happening. Coming in, Jalen McDaniels on the biannual exception. And if it isn't the biannual exception, then the money is around the biannual exception. It's like two years around $5 million. It's a little bit less than that, I think. You have Dennis Schroeder, two years, $26 million. And that's where we are. Okay. Fred Van Vliet leaves. He gets the bag, man. He gets a bag. And now here we are. Two guys out, two guys in. Let's hear it. Okay. If, if I were to give it a grade, I'll give them a C plus. C just, plus. Just off the fact that like Fred obviously closes like their window of like seeing like what that core could do and compete. But um like if I were to play like devil's advocate, Fred Fred hit free agency at the most like optimal time. I think if he does the same has the same season nine out of ten times, he probably is still a Raptor. He hit a time where the CBA changed, which forced Houston to spend. They had they had a new coach who was looking to win. They pivoted off of James Harden and zeroed in on him. And the Raptors also gave a counter, which led to him getting even more more money. They gave him a contract that I thought was already too probably too expensive. So I, I'm if you don't cons- if you're taking out the the deadline, then I don't consider it like a catastrophe. What um what I think is a bit interesting is the amount of um, press and amount of information like we heard of like how much the Raptors like value Delano. 
and like how much they had him in in some sort of plants. Um, and he was shouted out in the the press conference in multiple articles. Nick Nurse got scolded for not playing him, and then they didn't sign him. Yeah, which is which is odd. Like obviously, like if I'm looking from a straight basketball perspective, there probably wasn't room for him on the team just simply because there's only so many people that can't shoot that can be on one team. And for him, like he what um, elevates his talents is being able to get downhill, use like his playmaking, and he's a really good finisher as well. Those opportunities just aren't going to happen with the the Raptors' level of spacing and the amount of forwards that they have in their lineup. So I think like the losses are are all right in a sense. I'm a big Jalen McDaniels fan. That's why it's a C plus. Jalen McDaniels fits everything the Raptors does. Length, he can defend multiple dis- the, um, positions, and there's shooting upside. The, his last full season in, in Charlotte, he shot the ball really well, and he was able to finish off a lot of cuts with uh, when he had an optimal playmaker when he played with Lamelo. Um, I think um, why the reason why it's not a higher grade would be because of Dennis. I, I was leaning more towards Gabe Vincent, who offered more shooting, maybe isn't going to offer the same level of, of rim pressure, but I think just losing Fred's shooting and switching that out with Dennis Schroeder, who isn't the greatest finisher in the lane even, creates a situation where like the lineups just aren't tenable anymore and the Raptors are kind of sold into being like a back half of the back half of the league type of offense, which is like very rough considering they have Pascal who's in the peak of his powers right now. So I came around on tennis. Yeah. I watched, I watched a little bit. I tried to contextualize what the Raptors were doing. And while again, this starts June 30th, it doesn't start before we have our qualms about the decisions that led the Raptors to where they are now. But I think that, the choice between Gabe and Dennis, I do think that the Raptors signed the better guard. Mm. I took a little time with it. I watched some more film. I tried to kind of push away a little bit more of the recency bias of Gabe's playoff performance, which was great. He deserves a lot of love for, and he just got paid for. So yeah. good for him. I hope he has a great, great three seasons or however long he spends with the Lakers. But I also watched a little bit of Lakers film. I reacted when you said more point of attack defense about Dan Shooter, like immediately, your yeah. the immediate reaction, knee jerk, I said like a warm body. So I went and watched more and kind of focused on it a little bit more. And while Anthony Davis does make that stuff a lot easier, I do think that I'm looking at Shooter as a guy who will be above average at the point of attack next season. Now, maybe that's a bit optimistic, maybe not. Yeah. I also think that the shooting is lesser than Gabe for sure. And I would have liked to see Gabe couple with Scotty Barnes for some dribble handoff stuff. I think that his time with Bam could have helped him inform Scotty's growth a little bit. That doesn't mean Scotty's Bam. It just means that you can learn parts of the game from other players. It doesn't mean you become that player, etc. cetera. Um, but I think Dennis on ball is going to give the Raptors a little bit of juice. I think that in transitional lineups, he'll be able to work. And I don't think that ga- the gap of Gabe's shooting versus Dennis's sh- shooting was going to bridge any gap. It wasn't going to turn the Raptors from like a bottom third offense into a top half offense or anything oh, like yeah, that. I, I don't think it was. So I think leaning on the shooter's wingspan, 
quickness. He's a better mirror defender at the point of attack. And the fact that the Raptors, if the team stays constructed as is, are going to have a bunch of big wings who can pinch in. They're going to close a lot of driving lanes. They still have Jakob Pertl back there. That's We didn't even mention it. Jakob Pertl resigned. That's free agency, technically, uh-huh. I guess. Um, I And I like Jalen McDaniels. The shooting, I don't know yet. I have no idea. He has a lot of really interesting uh, defensive tools and has had like a ton of success. You watched him in Charlotte a bunch. I think you'd agree with that. Yeah. The shooting, basically over the course of his career, he's only ever taken you know the ones that qualify as wide open threes. Anything, even the open threes, contested, like contested threes aren't going up. He's not going to shoot it. Open threes, he's like sub 30%. And on wide open, he's shooting, you know, like 34%. That's not, that's not like good. That isn't, I know he shot 40% to 24 games with the 76ers, but like, I don't know. That is big, big wait and see energy for me. And while it's nice to know that he can have streaks of hitting them, and maybe that turns into something, 750 attempts is typically where people say percentages normalize. Um, I don't know if he'll be a shooter. I still like the play because if it's Banton out and McDaniel's in, outside of Banton being a Rexdale kid like myself, big shout out the Rex, McDaniel's versus Banton, if I had to pick one guy to kind of pop off, I'd put more money on McDaniel's rather than Banton. The Pearl deal I think is good. You retain the guy you traded for at a... I don't think it's a steal of a deal, but I think it's a good contract. I think both sides are probably pretty happy. And you don't pay Fred. Fred, when we did our discussion, $27 million over like $54 million over two years. That's what we arrived at. I think we were closer to his true value outside of all the CBA screwing around stuff, salary floor having to be met first day of free agency, et cetera. I think we we're the 27 to like $33 million range. I thought that was his range. Yeah. You know, 27 was maybe a bit low, but to go all the way up to 43, the Raptors, you just can't match it. And we're going from June 30th, so all the other stuff doesn't matter. I think I give him a B plus. I like the – I just because it's in that vacuum, right? Oh, you I have, And by the way, this doesn't mean I think the team is going to rock next year or anything. <laughs> but because – the lead up to you know the 30th yeah. of June is very important, as we well know and have talked about. But in a vacuum, making the decisions with the roster at hand, I think they did a pretty good job at getting talent in-house. Uh, so B+. Plus, okay. Well, my question, the reason why I'm probably lower on Dennis is because the Raptors' offense is ideally going to be predicated off of Pascal being the initiator. How do you think Dennis will be able to to play off? I've seen him play off of LeBron. It's 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 not that good, right? So what I'm thinking about is transitional lineups mm. because the Raptors have a chance this year for the first time in a couple of years to have better bench lineups. I think, yeah, and I think Schroeder, despite not sliding in next to the starters and being like you know Gary, how Gary can just oscillate between starters or bench and because he's a shooter and will play off of guys that works while Schroeder isn't like that. I do think that he'll be able to kind of slide in across a lot of the transitional lineups. And I think that he'll help the Raptors bench win a lot more minutes than it has in the past. And that is a clear need. 
And I think from that point of view, that's where I like it. I'm like, this guy will help a bench unit win minutes. Now, that doesn't mean it's bench mob. That doesn't mean it's, you know, Kyle Lowry plus bench, nothing like that. But I just think that there's reason to believe that Schroeder can get more out of the Raptors bench pieces than we've been seeing in recent years. And that, as far as 82 games, the war of attrition, you got to win minutes in the middle minutes and you got to win minutes in the low leverage stuff. I think that uh, he'll help guide offense for bench units. And I think he'll fit in defensively for the playing alongside the starters. And then you just have to hope guys like OG and Gary and Pascal to a lesser degree hit above the break threes. And, you know, Pascal, you could believe he could go as high as like 36, 37%. Maybe it doesn't happen, but you could believe it. That paired with OG, that paired with Gary. It doesn't make for a stellar offense. It's still probably a bottom third offense. But I think there's reasons to like it. So I'll come away from it saying B+. How's that sound? So I think it's it's more optimistic than than me. I think it yeah. probably depends on how much you, you're weighing on the fact that the Raptors like significantly changed without Fred. It's uh, it's it's gonna be tough, yeah. and we don't even know. And we'll use this to transition into the the next thing. Well, uh, yeah, we'll use it to transition into the next thing. We don't know what the the team is gonna look like next year. Not at this point in time. There's still room, still time for things to change. Part of that change might be Pascal going out the door. We don't know; it's not for certain. But in addendum to all the Pascal is, you know, teams want to trade for him, particularly Atlanta. You know, a lot of teams that want that final piece or a guy to legitimize their star next to him. Like, hey, we're going to make a run, place Pascal next to, you know, maybe it's Shea, maybe it's Trey, maybe it's Luca, whoever. Um, There's rumors. In addition to that, some of the stuff is coming out about the locker room this past year. Fred's frustrations. Pascal's frustrations in particular about work ethic, play style. Do you got that dog in you to be in the gym at 5.30 a.m.? All this kind of stuff. These are the topics that are coming up around the Raptors right now. I'm curious where you sit on all of that. I think it's just like a common issue you see like within the league. Like there's a, a few teams now that have tried to like masquerade as these two timeline type teams. And what you've seen, like, with these veterans who, like, an NBA career is, like, so, like, finite and short that um, they aren't patient enough to to let other players, A, like, come up and gain more usage, which lowers their chances of getting paid, less shots for them, and B, like, be okay with losing. You saw with Golden State, they finally decided to shift in trying to give their guys um, older, more reliable players to try to try to win games. The only time you really see like these two timeline things sort of work out was like Kawhi a little bit, but like he was very good fairly quickly that he became the timeline. So I think like the Raptors. He won finals MVP when yeah, he was what, 20, 23 or something like that? You know? Yeah. That's pretty, that's young. So like it's, that's such, that's an anomaly. Yeah. Whereas like I think the Raptors like put themselves like within. Uh, a situation where they're asking so much out of their vets from like um, a leadership and like um, a, from a leadership standpoint, as well as like on the court where they're trying to bring up guys like Scotty 
Delano, Gary, who might necessarily they're like their ascension in the regular season or gaining more usage may not lead or correlate to wins. And for probably those veterans, they probably don't believe that usage is also earned, which is probably like the gripe that they had. There's a there's a big thing happening in the NBA currently. Oren wrote about it last year, actually, was that, you know, the loss of the seasoned veteran, the grizzled veteran. A lot of teams are now using roster spots for players who aren't necessarily NBA ready or have like unique skills, but can't really stay on the floor. They want to be able to try and develop the next star rather than have a guy who can give them like eight good minutes every second game and is like the pros pro in the locker room is kind of a mentor to some guys. Teams have started to say that guy, we don't necessarily want, maybe we'll hire him as a development coach in like three years when he gives up his, you know, his playing career. But that guy, we're going to give this roster spot to a player who we think is intriguing. And that has happened across a bunch of different rosters. And you can hear the older players talk about it in the NBA. Like they feel like they're being pushed out. That's why in the CBA, there's some language and protections for older players, that kind of stuff, and the ability to earn more for the ones who can. All this kind of stuff, that's the pushback to the, the youth movement. And... I, you or I definitely can't say whether it's right or wrong. We're not having conversations with those guys, but it's certainly happening. And yeah. the Raptors, you know, it is interesting. We talked about this over the past couple of years is that the Raptors were a team that was comprised of like, you know, the island of misfit toys, a lot of grinders, yeah. a lot of that stuff. Pascal Siakam, you know, to go from the 27th overall pick to two-time All-NBA, two-time All-Star, most improved player, champion, all these, you know, incredible accolades. It takes a lot. And, you know, maybe, you know, for some people to say it's less God-given, more, you know, workout in the gym stuff. Who knows about that? But it takes work to get there. There are guys like Fred Van Vliet, who is undrafted, bet on yourself, work yourself in the NBA, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Norm Powell, respect the grind. He's the 46th overall pick. He's written about wanting to be part of the core of the grinders before OG 23rd came back from a torn ACL in like six months is a really, really hard worker. These guys are all like no lottery. Kyle Lowry, no lottery. DeMar was lottery, but he was also like famously worked, 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 worked. Now, the juxtaposition is that the higher selected players are more skilled. And so their spot, their salary is given in the league easier. I'm not saying that Scotty is like this, you know, too hot, too cool, fourth overall pick who's like, screw you guys. I don't need, like, who knows? But this is kind of, you see people talk about it and they juxtapose these things. I'm curious what you think of that juxtaposition. And since, you're not the one who's going to the games or seeing these guys in the locker room or anything like that. I want to know if you think it's true. I'm a bystander. Nobody attach me to this, please. <laughs> um, I I think the Raptors aren't good enough to warrant Scotty not touching the ball. If we're if we're being we're being realistic, like Golden State, it makes complete sense. You have a top, probably ten player all of all time, and to squander his final years at his peak makes a lot of sense 
But for Pascal Siakam, he may have to pass Scotty the ball. Do you think uh, – so what most people think is that it wasn't Pascal, that Pascal's usage yeah. is about where it needs to be. Yeah. That Fred's usage was probably too high. I think that on the whole, Fred's usage was too high. I also think that Scotty, when given some of those initiation possessions, and you know, as I tweeted this out, I'm in the midst of watching hours and hours and hours of footage of Scotty's strictly initiation possessions. I will write a piece about it. It will all be tracked. There will be tons of video proof, breakdowns, etc., of what's working, what's not working. That's all coming. But I'm just starting now. In my memory, I'm like, Scotty would be quite passive in the initiation type stuff. He's a guy who feels out the game and then takes over when he wants. It's not so much that he takes over when he gets usage. It's that when he finds a part of the game he can dominate in, yeah. then he'll get the ball. But there are a lot of times where Scotty gets the ball above the break and it just kind of is like mm, a few dribbles and then moving the ball off. And he, he can't always do something with the possession to kick things off. And that makes it seem like, okay, well then, if there's a guy who's not going to take possessions, then you want guys to float possessions, like Fred, to float possessions. But then, you know, there's some reporting that OG wants possessions. The fan base definitely wants Scotty to have possessions. So there's just like, Fred has possessions. He's not the all-NBA guy like Pascal is. Just take those, give them elsewhere. Well, hey, whether Fred... Or Pascal was frustrated. Whether the fans are right, whether the coaches are right, whether Fred, Pascal, Scotty, OG are right, whatever it is, there's more possessions now. We can lay this thing to rest. Scotty's gonna get a lot of them. <laughs> and for those who want to see it, I like I want to see it too. Now, despite being like skeptical of certain types of initiation, what would be better than Scotty being like an all-out star next year? Nothing. Yeah. Everybody wants that to happen. You know, drop the ego. It doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. If a guy ends up being incredible, that's that's the goal. So that's where we're at. There's going to be possessions. So regardless of the hubbub, regardless of the he said, she said, the ball is available now. And, you know, we're going to see something. And I hope it rocks. I hope it's awesome. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Like, with, like in this current scenario, like – Expecting like um, him to scale higher with negative spacing would be asking for a lot, I would say, personally. But so it's tough. Yeah. The context is not ideal. It's terrible. I also, I also don't think you do the the thing that everybody said Philly was supposed to do with Ben Simmons. Like, just surround him with shooters. It'll work. I completely disagree. I also don't think that's what you do with Scotty. Like, yeah. I really don't. Like, I think Scotty, as I've said before, will keep saying, has like all-star status in his future for sure. Hopefully all NBA. Like that would be a huge win. Anytime, whether it's the first overall pick, anywhere in the draft, if you can select the guy who makes an all NBA team, you've done it. Um, I think he's headed to all-star for sure. All NBA, I really hope. But like, it's a little bit more complex to make a guy work than just say like surround him with shooters. It, like it takes more than that. Um So I'm excited to see what it looks like going forward. What we're looking forward to, though, as we said at the top, we're going to Vegas. Not to hang out, not to party. We will be going to the Grand Canyon, though. We will be in some pools. We will enjoy ourselves. 
But most importantly, we're going to have our little tushy seated there in media saying, wow, Victor Wembanyama. And then, wow, Grady Dick, Grady Dick, Marquise Noel, <laughs> Grady Dick, Marquise Noel, uh, like any, not Christian Coloco, who apparently yeah. has like a, a respiratory thing going on. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll see. What are you looking forward to in Summer League? What do you want to see? Gameplay. Um, and in terms of like gameplay, like Noel's like obviously like the like the obvious choice. Like if you get someone that can organize um summer league teams, which is more shifted towards like he's gonna tear it up, man. People people like bucket getters. That's what summer league is. All of those guys, a third of their team is fighting for their NBA like dreams, literally. So they're shooting the ball as much as possible, which sometimes like deters like the actual product. But I think seeing him navigate um nba size and figuring that out in real time would be really cool then also just ron ron harper i'm a huge fan as well um i'm, I'm a big believer in, in um the the chubby boost Jokic is a, a big candidate of this he lost a little weight mvp big leap we, we get ron harper in shape he can utilize the skill the shooting that he's had and hopefully that adds a little bit of burst which allows him to create more space and score more often i think um also a guy that most people like Jordan Poole, his early career wasn't at people aren't actually really familiar with like his Julie stuff. He was also a little bit of a bigger boy. Yeah. He, he like he toned and cut like crazy before he popped off. Um, so uh, yeah, Ron Harper, if he's like in incredible shape, I'm, that can only help. I'm sure, especially yeah. since he's more of a skill player. He's not like a Jalen Brunson Kyle Lowry, like bump and grind, you know, find your way, carve out space. Um, but Grady Dick, there's some things I want to see. I want to see him working with Moses Brown on the empty side, pick and rolls. I want dribble handoff stuff. I want movement shooting. I want all of that big time. And I want to see once teams respond to the shooting, the passes he makes lay down corner, you know, fake down to the corner, go above the break. I want to see him outsmarting the weak side zones. That's one of the most important things you can do as a passer at the NBA level. First, you got to do it at Summer League. That's what I want to see. Secondly, Marquise Noel, I'm locked in, dude. Locked in. He's rapid. He's so fast. His handle's so tight. And while he does have a slow load on the jump shot, he still always manages to get downhill. Moses Brown is going to score like, I don't know, 17 points like a game probably just from like those like no look push passes with the live dribble a lob all this kind of stuff i'm really looking forward to marquise noel working and if marquise noel doesn't shred the summer league that's probably not good news for the 905 job upcoming and then the two-way stuff but uh i think he will he's dynamite on ball and then joe wieskamp yeah i want to see it man sling just sling it. And then for my guy, Hank Ward, I want to see David Johnson do pretty well. For those who don't know, who don't like read the website or whatever, I'll read the the Summer League roster. And then, by the way, Pat Delaney, lead assistant, he's coaching. So here we go. Moses Brown, Desmond Cambridge Jr., Ahmad Caver, Grady Dick, Ron Harper Jr., DJ Hogg, Muhammadu Guy. David Johnson, David McCormack, Daryl Morsel, big 905 guy last year, RJ Nembhard, Marquise Noel, Kevin Obinor, J.T. Shoemate, 
Joe Wieskamp, Moses Wright. Head coach is Pat Delaney, and as assistant coaches, they basically have everybody. From Eric Curry, who was he's the head coach of the 905. Um, they don't have James Wade there, um, but Jama Malalela will be there. Darko isn't on staff, but he will definitely be around there. Never mind, James Wade is on staff. Huh, I tweeted it out. I didn't even see it. Look at that. <laughs> so there's all your info. Trey, anything additional before we get out of here? It's a shorter podcast, yes, ladies and gentlemen, but we're going to be podcasting a decent amount from Vegas, so stay tuned for that. We'll be doing like what? Like after we watch the games for the day, we'll go back to the hotel room and we'll say, hey, this is what we like today, and then that'll be it. <laughs> I'm assuming so. If we survive. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I'm just really excited to especially like watch a lot of these these guys. I guess I would have already watched some of these guys live maybe by the time people listen to this. But um, I'm excited to see the team and um, especially from the new like youth movement that looks like it's coming up. There is someone if someone really does pop off in summer league, there might be an opportunity for like real minutes on the Raptors, which probably wasn't like viable the last two seasons two or three seasons give or take yeah nick wouldn't have played him yeah (laughs) like not not only not only was there less talent on the back end of the roster for the raptors than i think um there was less than most people wanted to be sure less than the organization wanted they were disappointed with some the lack of development of some of the guys but also nick was like if i play you and you lose me minutes you're dead to me, yeah, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Doughton in summer league looked like a rotation player from the get go. He, he Jeff Doughton is good enough to play in the NBA at the guard position. I think that is so objective, and I don't know if he'll be with the Raptors next year. So, yeah, we'll see. I don't know any parting shots for the for the listener before you go get a sick fade, bro. <laughs> Lined up like crazy. <laughs> um. I'll make a prediction. I think um, Ron Harper is going to average 18, 18 or more. Yeah. I'd like that. I've seen, I've seen quite a few 905 games where that happened. Big fan. Big it fan. Can, hey, he got that thing on him. He packs it. He can get to 18 very quickly. Yeah. Trey, uh, we got to 18 times two minutes on this podcast. So let's get out of here. You ready to, to hop out? Yes, sir. Hell yeah. Okay, listener, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in Vegas and whether you got into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.